I mean, it's kind of cute, right? Hello, and welcome back to Kind of Cute. And if you are new here, welcome. My name is Bailey Evan. I'm your host, and on Kind of Cute, we discuss articles from the cut and my general pop culture musings. Happy April Fool's Day, everybody. I'm so happy to talk to you. Uh, I don't know if you've been able to tell by yet, but it's Kenzie, not Bailey, doing the intro. (laughs) I've always told Bailey that I can do the intro perfectly, and now we get to test it out. What do you guys think? Were you fooled? Probably not. (laughs) Bailey has this perfect little Cher Horowitz sound, and I sound more akin to uh, the Hamburglar. That is not true, but you comparing me to Cher Horowitz is the nicest compliment you've ever given me. All right, guys, are we ready to get into the episode today? Taylor Swift herself and Evermore. Remember when we talked about this a few weeks ago about this theme park out in Utah that basically looked like LARPers? One of the only reasons why I'd want to go to Utah. (laughs) They had brought a lawsuit against Taylor and then Taylor brought a lawsuit against them for using her songs without licensing and now both sides have dropped their lawsuits and I think we kind of predicted that and that was the whole reason why Taylor's team filed a counterclaim because they're like we're gonna bring you down with us and they knew that was an effective way to get them to just drop it and that's what happened. Britney Spears acknowledged the Framing Britney documentary, and I really did not think she would. I thought she would wait till some sort of formal interview to do so, but, you know, she did one of her normal kind of rambling Instagram captions, and she says, I need to dance to I am Stephen T every night of my life to feel wild and human and alive. I've been exposed by whole life performing in front of people. It takes a lot of strength to trust the universe with your real vulnerability because I've always been so judged, insulted, and embarrassed by the media, and I still am to this day. As the world keeps on turning and life goes on, we'll still remain fragile and sensitive as people. I didn't want to watch the documentary, but from what I did see of it, I was embarrassed by the light they put me in. I cried for two weeks, and well, I still cry sometimes. And it goes on and, you know, she's like, perfect is boring. I'm here to pass on kindness. And of course, as every time Britney Spears posts anything, people are automatically thinking that she didn't actually post it, yada, yada. And she was kind of having some strange Instagrams running up to that. She kept teasing something about like red and everyone was kind of thinking there was going to be some big reveal. And I don't know if it was just leading up to this post. She had a funny one where this old like Victorian picture of holding like a little skeleton and it said I wouldn't want that baby to hit me one more time like I I live for that I, I almost put that on the kind of cute Instagram story because I was like I don't know what this is but I like it so I I don't know I do think Brittany at least has some if not all control over what she posts on Instagram because I just don't think anyone else could nail that style that she has that kind of like childlike wonder with the world almost I just feel like it has to be Britney but I don't know maybe I'm super naive when it comes to that a little personal update that I just randomly put in here in my notes I have my first vaccine shot appointment for Tuesday and I've never been so excited for a shot that wasn't tequila out of a shot ski with my friends honestly a shot ski shot is just like the premium way to take a shot there's something about the leverage of it that it just slides down your throat really easy right it's, it really is yeah the superior way if and it's not in a shot ski do I really want the shot <laughs> no we've established that like, shots are not for us really no shots are the first or the very last thing you take and you I never not ever take them in the middle 
I never want them as the last thing though, because then it's like gonna be like, ah! <laughs> no, it's gonna be me and my skincare like struggling using way more of my expensive ass pharmacy cleaner than I need to. Uh, <laughs> sharp pivot. I hope you guys are able to get your vaccines. Um, I really am so excited. But people are very upset about the Lil Nas video that recently came out. It's called Montero, Call Me By Your Name. The music video is so good and the song is very catchy. And I wish you could have live witnessed the struggle I was having trying to think of the song that Montero reminds me of melody-wise. I'm sitting there humming to Kenzie. You were not humming that. You were no no no. Yes, I was. You were you were you were not da 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 because yes, I would have caught that. No, it was it was more minor and it was a little more you know it was a little vaguer than that because it did not sound the way you sang sing Baby Boy. Okay, well she just spoiled it. That the answer finally came to me in an epiphany as I was like trying to find my phone and I was like, oh my god, it's Baby Boy. So that mystery was solved. But I'm telling you, listen to Baby Boy, which I always forget has a heavy Sean Paul influence, which gives it that da da da, you know. Yeah. Anyways, listen to them side by side. I definitely think there's some similarities. Obviously, both amazing songs. The symbolism in this music video. I watched it for the first time a few days ago. Ken, I made Kenzie watch it before this because she's, you know, she was a classics major. She's very into Greek mythology, Latin, you, you know, the whole shebang. So I was like, I want her to watch it and see if she picked up on any of the symbolism in it. And even she, the first time she watched it, right after it was done, she's like, I have to watch it another time. And to give a quick recap of the video, it starts out uh, with... Lil Nas, and he plays every single character in in the video. And it's very heavily costumed, a lot of makeup, prosthetics, amazing fashion, uh, really kind of whimsical CGI sets. And it starts out as kind of this Adam and Eve scene, and either the snake or Lilith, like, you know, kind of comes to him, is trying to seduce him. They kind of get frisky. It, we then switch to, like, a coliseum motif and... The spectators are throwing butt plugs at his little like cherubic gladiator in the middle of the ring. Then next up we have uh, him going up and meeting. Okay, it's not Saint Peter that he's meeting. It is he meets this this thing called Ganymede, which is actually in mythology Zeus's cupbearer. Um, he's like this just very beautiful boy, kind of as Bailey pointed out. Uh, uh, well, she pointed out to me. Um, he becomes a symbol of kind of uh, the gay community. Um, but literally the myth is like he was such this beautiful guy that Zeus saw him down on Earth, <laughs> literally goes down to Earth, plucks him, picks him away, brings him back to Olympus just to be his cupbearer and little, you know. Boy toy. The boy original toy. boy toy. The original boy toy, yeah. Which actually, not to, again, sharp pivot here, but this is how my mind works. Like right before... 
um, when I was eating my nachos I made for dinner. Nachos are a really great pandemic meal, guys. If you ever want the recipe, which is me just dumping various things on a sheet pan, I like to use like a thin sweet potato as some of the chips and then mix it in with some tortilla chips. Don't worry, I'm not going to like devolve into a whole food combo like I did last week. But anyways, I'm sitting there, I'm eating my nachos, and I see that James Charles, the YouTuber, came out with another apology video. And if you're not caught up with this, he had been coming under fire recently for sending inappropriate uh, Instagrams to people who were under the age of 18. And he immediately, when this came out a few weeks ago, came out with this defense, like, I didn't know they were under 18. You know, the same thing that every man likes to pull when they've been put under fire or sending dick pics to someone or, or even having sex with someone under the age of 18. And I was surprised by his response because I was like, you know, this is really an we're getting into very like illegal territory here and you're just coming out with this off the cuff, like notes app apology. And he doesn't usually operate like that. He's very methodical. I mean, he runs an empire. And so today he came out with his formal apology video and I swear no one does an apology video like James Charles. And it was very well done. And I, he spoke about the issue with, the power play that when you are a celebrity, even if you're not trying to invoke that power, and even if you don't reach out to the person first, there's inherently a power difference there. And I never heard someone so honestly address that. And he is still very young. He's only 21. And I'm not excusing him his things at all. I think it's so disgusting what goes on with what is effectively the grooming of young people and their access to Instagram and TikTok and literal predators coming into their DMs. And I actually just saw recently that Instagram changed it so that if someone is under 18, they can't message with someone unless they're following them. And that's not going to help with the whole celebrity thing, but it could help with random creeps on the internet. Anyways, that just reminded me, like the boy toy that Zeus like fetched from below, I feel like is kind of James Charles being like in his apology video talking about how he would go to the Explore page on Instagram and literally like use it as his dating app. And he's like, I've come to realize like I can't use my Explore page or my TikTok for you page as a dating app. And wow, you're just now realizing (laughs) it really was like this epiphany for him. I was like, honey, you've been under fire for this before. Yeah. But anyways, kind of similar story arc, right? I mean, you have he's kind of Zeusian in a way. Uh, Yeah. I mean, if you if you had. Yeah. In that way. Yeah. Very much. (laughs) Okay, sorry. Problematic as Zeus. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Back to little Naz. So there's also a passage from Plato's Symposium, and Kinsey knew about that too. And then, iconically, before meeting, how do you say the guy's name again? I've We've always pronounced it as, as Ganymede in, in Okay, that sounds school. right. That's how it's spelled, Ganymede. So before he's actually able to like meet Ganymede and like get up in heaven, a giant stripper pole comes out. He slides his little booty his luscious braids that are bright red right down to hell. He gives Satan himself a juicy lap dance. I mean, it's it's skills. He's doing some acrobats in those in those moves. <laughs> he was. I was very impressed by by just the acrobatics alone. And then when you stop to think that Satan is also little Nas, obviously. Um, there was a body double, but still, it's yeah. kind of this mind fuck. And then he's behind him, takes his horns off, and then cracks his neck and kills him. 
And again, it's it this thing just takes you on a whole journey. It kind of had Jordan Peele levels of symbolism to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, very much. Just so. a lot to unpack. And um, you know, he's obviously just been getting a lot of shit in the media. But, you know, it's come out. He's like, I've been planning this rollout of this music video for eight months. My marketing on this is tight as hell. Oh, I also meant to mention that he is really packing when he slides down that thing. And I don't know if that was like stuffed, but it is large. It, the package I is saw large. that and I was literally like, I think at first has- I thought it was, I thought it was like the backside of his butt. Like I was like, Ooh, his bo- booty looks juicy. And then I was like, Oh wait, no, no, no. I see his face. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> That's the front side. I think there's some definite padding in there. Cause yeah. it's kind of like comically big, Yeah, comically but large. you can't, yeah, you can't watch that video and not comment on that. So he collabs with this artist who goes by the name of mischief and hired them to make Nike air maxes and Satanify them with uh, putting a drop of human blood in the souls. And it's like, you can see like red liquid. So I'm sure most of it's just like red water died. And then it has a drop of allegedly of real human blood. And I think I read some quote from them. They're like, yeah, we weren't doing this medically. So I just imagine them there with like little finger pricks being like, <laughs> like it seems very illegal and unsanitary to me, but the concept is there. And of course, six, six, six of them were made in total. They were over a thousand dollars. They sold out right away. I'm sure I haven't even looked at what the resale on them is, but I'm sure it's insane. And I mean, the tweets that Naz was coming out with this week were cracking me up And one of them, so people were really in ours about these Satan shoes and Nike's pissed. They sued them. They're like, we had no part in this. This isn't our design. And obviously they're co-opting the Nike Air Max design. So little Naz tweets out this picture and it says, we've decided to drop these to even the score. Damn, y'all happy now? And it's a white shoe and it says Chick-fil-A. My pleasure. Oh my God. John 316. And I'm just like, like he was killing me. I was scrolling through his Twitter and, his response, I mean, he's so funny. I, I really like Naz. I love his fashion sense. I love kind of how groundbreaking and out of the box his music has been, even though he's only really released a few songs. He hasn't even come out with a full length album yet. I think that's probably coming soon. If you haven't watched it, please watch it. And speaking of music videos, we also got the new Olivia Rodrigo song with a music video called Deja Vu. Very cinematic. Definitely has some TikTok motifs going on. I like the song. I actually might like the song better than Driver's License. It doesn't quite have the hype appeal and the catchability of Driver's License, but I like the I song. I think a I, lot. I agree with you on that. Yeah, it's it very story driven. This one also has a uh, Driver's li- License has a very Taylor Swift feel. Deja Vu has twice as much of a of a Taylor Swift feel, in my opinion. Yeah, I'd say like a Reputation era yeah. kind of Taylor Swift. Yeah, yeah. But her voice is more along the lines of like a Lord girl. Yes. Yes. And I'm sorry, I just am giving you a recap of like all of the culture I've consumed this week, but you know, what's new? So we've also been watching Q Into the Storm, which is on HBO Max, and you know, the whole QAnon conspiracy, and it's one of those things that I've obviously heard about and the peripheral of, but I've never really delved into because I was just like dismissive of it, and I'm still dismissive of it. But this documentary is a crazy ride. The shit just keeps blowing my mind. 
And mainly what keeps blowing my mind is how fucked up the people are on 8chan, which is sort of like if you're too bad for Reddit, you go to 4chan. And then if you're too bad for 4chan, you go to 8chan because they just let you write whatever the hell you want. And it's filled with hate speech. It is so repulsive and disgusting. Honestly, trigger warning if you do watch that documentary because some of the tweets they were or some of the 8chan messages they were showing and videos of shooting like I was it was it, it was sick. it was it was really yeah it was nauseating and it was uh, yeah it's just you don't have words for it almost it's you like, don't you what? really don't and you don't have words for the 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 8chan owners because they play a very large part like they're a very large presence in the, the documentary yeah and I really love is his name Richard um, with the palms no, Fred. Oh, Fred. Fred. Yeah, I really, I like him. I think he's so smart. And he was the original creator of 8chan. And yeah, I really like Fred. Their, you have, watch it for that storyline. Like, it becomes to me less about QAnon and more about the fucked up nature of, of 8chan. 8chan. Yeah, and I'm telling you guys, like, for niche internet culture content, mm-hmm. I definitely think it is worth and it's a well done documentary series, I think. He's the same guy who did another series we watched, and I'm blanking out on it right now, but I'll I'll figure it out. No, it's pretty good. Um, yeah. Okay, moving on to Jin Shaw from the Shawski Chalet. Um <laughs> We, I, I remember talking on here about how excited I was for Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. And I really thought the first few episodes came out swinging. And for some reason, we just stopped watching it. Yeah, I didn't know if they took like a mid-season break or whatnot. No, but it's just like, Kenzie counts on me to be the curator of our TV choices in this house. And so if she doesn't remind me or ask for it and if I get distracted and I'm just on to the next series oh by the way I've been watching tell me your secrets on we just finished that that was fucking crazy yeah that's worth watching but anyway so we stopped we probably only watched like four episodes of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City four or five yeah but definitely enough to get a feel for the characters the cast if you will and Jin Shaw right off the bat she comes off as so produced playing into every housewife stereotype in a way because she has this whole glam squad she's in this literal ski chalet that looks like it could house 50 plus people looks like a literal ski lodge she's married to this ex-nfl coach and he's he's super attractive he's super nice like i always love the scenes he was in Stuart yeah, because I think that their that their um, dynamic, uh, their whole family dynamic is really nice. Yeah, and so I did like that part. I thought when she was with him, it was a very like grounding moment for her, and it was like I felt like I saw glimpses of realness when they were together. But lo and behold, they were in re- arrested earlier this week. So I was looking straight. I haven't actually read any articles about it. I was just reading the release straight from the Department of Justice. And I was reading the grand jury indictment that the press release from the DOG came from. So the HSI and NYPD announced the unsealing of a superseding indictment charging Jennifer Shaw and Stuart Smith with conspiracy to commit wire fraud in connection with telemarketing and conspiracy to commit money laundering. So it's two counts, one count of money laundering, one count of wire fraud. And this was in one of the district courts in New York. And this is just an indictment by the grand jury. So they haven't, you know, they haven't actually been gone through a trial yet or anything like that. Innocent until proven guilty. Um, But what the U.S. attorney is saying 
is as follows. Jennifer Shaw, who portrays herself as a wealthy and successful business person on reality, which is in quotation marks. I'm like, okay, I'm getting, getting jabby here. Uh, and Stuart Smith, who is portrayed as Shaw's first assistant, allegedly generated and sold lead lists of innocent individuals for other members of their scheme to repeatedly scam. In actual reality, and as alleged, the so-called business opportunities pushed on the victims by Shaw Smith and their co-conspirators were just fraudulent schemes motivated by greed to steal victims' money. Now these defendants face time in prison for the, their alleged crimes. I could see them getting like a year or two, if that, I don't think it'll be much. My understanding of this scheme is that they would just seek out vulnerable individuals through telemarketing, and then they would use fraudulent methods to sell them bullshit. For example, they would sell website services to elderly people who didn't have a computer. And what was not stated in the indictment is how much money they're allegedly defrauded people out of. But it did note in the indictment that this has been going on allegedly since 2012. So this has been a long haul game on this part. But we also don't know if this is solely where their wealth was coming from. Obviously, people who are in the NFL, if they save right, can end up with a lot of money even in retirement. But the fact that they were doing this since 2012 makes me think that they were getting... Well, wait, is this... is Stuart? Stuart Smith's not her husband, though, is he? I thought she he was the assistant. Oh, Ooh. shit. You're right. Like, so is her... I don't think her husband's dealt with this. Because oh. remember, because her husband's actually... He was an... I think he's ex-NFL, but he's currently the... Uh, I don't know if it's Utah or Nevada state state yeah. coach. He's the football oh my gosh, coach. Guys, He's I'm gone just away. here sitting through this whole story, telling you all of this, just being completely wrong. Yeah, I'm sorry. So Stuart Smith is literally just the number her number one assistant of her glam squad. Yeah. I, I thought they were just like cheekily referring to her husband as her like lead assist. No, no, no. Because his name's his last name's Shaw too, right? Oh, you're right. Okay, I'm like, sorry, I don't guys. Think Shaw's her initial or is her, was her maiden name. Okay, so I'm a dumbass, but this is very similar to the Erica Girardi thing, where it's like, yeah, exactly. You know, Erica, like how like separated are they? Knew. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I'm just surprised that he hasn't been pulled into it yet. And same thing with Teresa Giudice, because she's, you know, she again said she didn't know what Joe was doing, but and didn't, so didn't I'm sorry. Teresa that was, go to prison. Yeah. Yeah, Teresa and Joe went to yeah. prison. Yeah. So I'm sorry. That was my mind, like, drawing the links between those and just assuming that it was also her husband who oh, got wow. arrested. The real housewives of wire fraud. Like, <laughs> honestly. I think Bravo could honestly make another good television show of, like, how many reality television, uh, you know, celebs do we have that have actually committed white-collar crime? I mean, yeah, it makes, like, Luann getting in an altercation at the colony look like child's play. Child's play. I mean... Again, I feel so stupid, guys. I almost want to, like, re... There was no money involved I in almost that. want to re-record that. This is what I get for not reading articles and just looking at the indictment and me not being great with remembering names and just me being like, that's her husband. Anyways, um... Another thing I got from the indictment, though, that it lists a property that they have to forfeit, and it's a pretty normal-looking house. I looked it up on Redfin, and it's only valued around 500k. I mean, that's a lot for me, but seeing the way she lives, throwing a party for 80k, like that doesn't really match up. And it has three beds and two and a half baths. It's definitely not the Shaw Chalet, so I don't, I don't know if that's like where they actually live. 
And then I heard a rumor, and I swear I can't even tell you where I heard it from, but I I read somewhere that there was either an informant in her glam squad or FBI was working undercover as one of her glam squad. Oh, so we have either a narc or a spy. Yeah. Wow. I'm really hoping for them it's going to be a spy because whoever the narc is, you better, you better <laughs> sleep with an eye open. Oh, my God. <laughs> Saying that really goes well into our next story. Italian mafia boss brought down by his own cooking vlog by Claire Lampin. Oh, God. (laughs) Guys, this is the thing. Like, don't put yourself in the public eye unless you are clean as a whistle. I mean, this could be famous last words, but I'm telling y'all, I have not done a lot of illegal shit in my life. (laughs) A lot? Okay, because let's be real. Like, have I run a stop sign? Like, have I underage drink yes yes have i done some other things that i don't want to say on here you know but we've all done some things you know did you streak yes yeah okay we can leave it at that (laughs) so but the thing is you are not gonna find me embezzling funds committing wire fraud uh money laundering Mm, yeah, your name's not going to be fraud. in a headline, like, on a headline being like, they just are, they're away in handcuffs or something because of some, yeah. I mean, knock the hell on wood. I, if some, if I go down for something, let this stand right here. I have aired my issues. Y'all, I am clean as, I'm If you're pretty, going down, someone framed you. Yeah, I got framed. Keep an eye out on Kinsey, okay? What the fuck? <laughs> dude i'm a type i'm a type six y'all know i'm gonna go down with you (laughs) that's true loyal to the end hell hell to the no and a taurus a taurus six i mean they're with you i've been said it says in a type six that they will often hold on to things even when it is no longer beneficial (laughs) to them (laughs) we go down together all right well good to know again though if i get framed for something guys watch out for our siblings i'm just teasing (laughs) but they don't listen they would rat us out they would um so this guy his name was mark farron claude biart he is allegedly a member of this how do you say that nranjeta yeah i would guess that's nranjeta crime syndicate which is located in the toe of italy's boot so he just up and moved to dominican republic which we've been to he went to boca chica we haven't been there but we've been to cap canna and wow stunning Stunning. gorgeous would love to go back very soon Mm -hmm. um so he was there in the dominican republic filming shit posting it on youtube and he was very careful about not having his face in the videos but couldn't hide his tattoos. See, that's why I might be screwed because, like, I do got some tattoos. Uh, I mean, but the thing is, if shit goes down, like, guys, this podcast is done. My YouTube is done. I'm scrubbing myself from the internet. Mm-hmm. This, you know, not, again, I'm sorry. I'm just, like, on a lot of tangents today. But this also goes, like, when people have tweeted problematic shit, I'm like, the second you get fame, why aren't you going through and deleting every single thing that could potentially be problematic? Like, I would literally, if you even got an inkling, if, I got, if you were someone who is like, I'm going to get a call back, you delete every right. fucking thing off the face of the earth. Right. I will hire a hacker to try and dark web me and go back and be like, I want you to permanently delete everything. Not saying that we have problematic shit, but you know, if, yeah. if you are to be one of those people... No, and I don't this think I like do. This is like people going on Survivor not knowing how to make a fucking fire. <laughs> they have no forethought. <sighs> yeah. 
Anyways, my point is, my point is, I just don't get it. I mean, is it really like people just need that outside validation so much that they can't even protect their own ass? I don't know. So he had evaded. This is also what blows my mind. This dude had evaded authorities for seven years. And his downfall is a cooking video on YouTube. What was he making? I don't know. Pasta? I should have tried to find the video. It's Police said it was his love for Italian cuisine that did him in. <laughs> Mamma mia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he was in Boca Chica for five years to keep his distance from the Italian community. And the police noticed his wife on YouTube and combined that with the knowledge that the fugitive had previously worked at a restaurant in Italy. They just kind of connect the dots and... Wow. <laughs> Wait, this article ends with, imagine being so aware of the stakes, yet determined to share your passion with the world, whatever the cost, even if it gets you arrested and your cooking show removed from the internet. Ah, well, some sometimes that really is amore. <laughs> if I go down, at least I taught people how to make gnocchi. <laughs> we do love making homeopasta in this house. It slaps, man. Uh, so I was also reading the Washington Post article that I think originally broke this, and they were saying that this group acts as a middleman in the cocaine business. And or I'm sorry, the, the Atlantic reported this and the Washington Post took from it. And they sell to other criminal organizations while also sucking away European Union funds for agriculture and other industries while ruthlessly killing any members who make a mistake. I am scared of the mafia, you guys. I, I have always like said that. I have always, every time I, list, I think about a mafia, I'm like, that's what scares the shit out of me. I think it's low-key why I've never watched The Godfather. <laughs> me <Goodfellas>. too. <laughs> I'm like, I don't need to be up at night thinking about a horse head in my bed. No. I know it's a cultural moment, but I just don't know if I can do it. Because those are like the real scary monsters that actually exist in this world. Those and the people on each <laughs> Seriously. Did you watch that one? What was it called? Um... It was with Johnny Depp and he was, he was, um, it was in Southie and like South, you know, in Boston. Yeah. I don't he, think I've seen that. Uh, what's his name? Is like Benny or something like that. I don't know. He was essentially like an up and coming, like mobster fucking scared the shit out of me. <laughs> fucking yeah. scared the I, shit out of me. I don't me. think I've seen like any mafia movies. No. The closest <laughs> I saw was the, you, what is it? Use your usual suspects, Kaiser Sose, which isn't even like a mafia movie, but I feel like it's. Kind I've of, never even seen that. That one. one's good. That one's really good. But ooh, it ha- I think it has Kevin Spacey, and he, he's. <laughs> <not it. laughs> yeah, I've seen Goodfellas, but that's about that's the only one. And Goodfellas is like kind of funny, but like still pretty scarring. Yeah. Even when we watched McMillions, that was only very lightly touching the mafia, and that scared the shit out of me. That show is also wild. <laughs> oh. So I was alerted about this movie and this trailer. um, Sorry, we're moving on to our next article. By The Cut, and it's for a movie called Zola. And The Cut writes that the movie tells the story of a Detroit waitress named Zola who finds herself convinced by one of her customers, Stephanie, to head down to Florida, of course, for a weekend of dancing and hell-raising. Naturally, the trip descends into chaos. To quote A24's synopsis, and A24 is like, they make a ton of pseudo indie films yeah it says what at first seems like a glamorous trip full of hoism rapidly transforms into a 48 hour journey involving a nameless pimp an idiot boyfriend some tampa gangsters and other unexpected adventures in this wild see it to believe it tale and the idiot boyfriend is played by nicholas braun 
and the pimp is by Euphoria's Coleman Domingo. So Kinsey and I both had the same reaction. It was so funny. I was writing in my notes. I wrote, it looks like Spring Breakers, but a million times better. And literally as I'm typing that, she's like, this has very Spring Breakers vibes. And it's funny that it takes place in Tampa because I think Saint, uh, I think it's St. Pete for, yes. for and Spring Breakers. And Magic Mike is also <laughs> in St. Pete. Oh my God. <laughs> At least we're on, we're on the other coast, guys. <laughs> and it's wild in Tampa. I did. I, if I already told the story on here how I saw Spring Breakers by myself in a movie theater, like literally by myself, and I've never felt more. Were you out. in college or were you in law? school? I was school? in law school, and no one would go see it with me. I mean, as it was, I didn't really have a ton of friends in law school. Um, I had an intense One Direction passion, which I still have, and no one got me. You know, I should have started my podcast back in law school. It probably would have made my experience better. If I had gotten LexPro and started my podcast back in law school, maybe we wouldn't be where we are today. If all of us were as productive as we are now, as we could have been in our young 20s, I think we would have been a lot better. But that's the point of being in your young 20s. Yeah, you got to learn somehow. But yeah, so I'm going, and the whole time I'm like, do people think I'm like some creep who's going to be like jacking off to Spring Breakers in the movie theater? Just because of the weirdness of this movie. Like, there is no shame in going to a movie by yourself. Yeah. But I was just I mean, you are right. That was one of the oddest, it's maybe the strangest movie I've ever, not the strangest, actually. It's up there, One of the strangest. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, sorry, another aside. This movie comes out June 30th, so it feels only fitting that today our deep cut is a dive back into the very Twitter thread that inspired this movie, and for that, we are swimming back to 2015. So I don't think I've even made it clear by what I just recapped, but this story, this movie, Zola, is based on a Twitter thread that came out in 2015. So Allison Davis, Baby Meatballs, one of my favorite cut writers, Uh, She wrote an article on November 3rd, 2015 called, okay, so was the Zola Twitter story true or false? And I think the reason this Twitter thread popped off as much as it did, the story is wild. Um, It involves strippers and pimps and prostitution and guns and drugs and all of that. But I think Zola's way of writing and her voice, it's just hilarious. <laughs> it's hilarious. And and I think she's kind of she's in on the joke. And I mean, let me just give you give you a sample. So she she meets, you know, the girl at, at the Hooters and she's like she just called she meets her the next day. She calls her up. She's like, let's go to the strip clubs in Tampa. And what happens is Zola gets down to Tampa and realizes that really it's more prostitution and that's not what she was in for she was down for the club stripping at the club dancing but of course because it's prostitution that's why we have to put it in tampa (laughs) so let me just read an excerpt maybe you guys remember this i don't think i read this when it came out so she says so we bought vibing over our hoism or whatever and we exchange numbers and we like next time you dance hum i'm gonna come dance with you and they leave so the next day i get a text like bitch let's go to florida and i'm like huh she's like i'm going to dance in florida let's go now i'm skeptical like damn bitch we just met and we already taken hoe trips together but i had went to florida two months prior and made 15k i mean girl get your coin do you know how long it takes me to make 15k and i am in a job of misery that like raises my blood pressure every day and makes me cry not to say that stripping doesn't do that too but you know get yours 
And then there's another line where, I mean, shit is breaking loose. It is hitting the fan. And she just goes, I'll leave and go down to the pool. I mean, I am in Florida. (laughs) When in doubt. (laughs) And I just loved her in that moment. So Allison writes that the Washington Post did a investigation into Zola's story and interviewed the story's main subjects, including Jess Swiatowski. So she's the girl who, you know, gets Zola to go down to Florida with her. And then Jess's ex-boyfriend, Jarrett Scott, that's who Nicholas Braun plays. And they also talked to the police. So they found out that Zola did meet Jess and her friend Rudy in a Detroit Hooters. They make the trip down to Tampa. They dance in clubs. They didn't make enough, so they decide to trap, you know, base prostitute. Um, and it's it's unclear who participated and who did not because Zola basically starts acting as the pimp. And she's like, Jess, like, you're doing this all wrong. I mean, there's this whole series where she, of parts of the story where she's like, you're only getting $100 for a pussy. Your pussy's worth thousands. And she basically, you know, gets her – She she's business-minded and gets it so Jess is making way more money. And how entrepreneurial over here. Honestly. And so, you know, this – I won't spoil more of the story, but uh, the Post did have interviews with two women who tell similar darker versions of Zola's story. So I think there is some – well, as Allison writes, so yes, yeah, some version of this tale is true and still crazy, but whether or not it will soon be turned into a feature-length film directed by Ava DuVernay remains a mystery. Do I ever say her name? How do you say her name? She's such a talented, famous director, and I'm always like, I should know that. Um, I've always said Ava DuVernay. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, honestly, the foreshadowing of that sentence, because while it is not directed by Ava, this movie is happening. I mean, and I think it's going to be a hit, and I am so excited. I was trying to find current day Jess and Zola, and I found Zola's Instagram, and she is thriving. She has a ton of followers. Her Instagram says, mom first, ho immediately after. Have you ever, like, that is the best Instagram bio I've ever seen. That is a very good one. And she's gorgeous. It looks like she got some nice fake boobies. She's stunning. She's, like, cause cool fashion. And it seems like she worked with A24, the film company, because I scrolled back a little bit and she was like talking about the trailer for the movie and she thanked A24 for their support over the years and had a picture of a cake from them. So yeah, I would love to have Zola on the pod. Jess and Helen, who are team kind of cute and help me out, I think we need to make that happen. Please. I'm just manifesting it. <laughs> I just think that'd be so good. And I know we've been slacking on our I think about this a lot section, but we're just trying to come up with some good little ditties. So in the meantime, please let me know any weird niche things that you think about a lot that you can't get out of your head. And I would love to feature it on an episode because maybe I can't get it out of my head or maybe you want to come on and do a little like phone call and we can talk about it. We have made it to our legit shit of the day guys i am currently wearing these i ordered them aren't they soft feel them yeah they are very soft nice um they're beyond yoga leggings and a top and it's their space dye fabric i know i shout out chelsea like a lot recently but she recommended these she does a lot of hot yoga and uh she was like they're very soft so i want to try them and i two thumbs up 
So I will link, they're not the exact ones I have because I have the kind that cross over in the front, but I'm linking their most popular pair of leggings. They're in the same fabric and the top that I have. And I will say, um, I probably could have sized down one because they're not super compressive. And, you know, the pooch is like a little, like, it's not compressed in, but sometimes you want to let your pooch breathe, you know, like the little stomach pooch. And just be comfy. And I have tried a lot of leggings. I've never tried Lulu's leggings. I did buy like a bra top from there. It was my first thing I've ever bought from there because one opened near me. Um, I kind of still refuse to want to give them any more money because when they said like fat asses shouldn't wear their leggings, and I think they just say a lot of questionable things. So Beyond Yoga is a woman-owned and uh, made-in-America product, which we love. So I wanted to tell you guys about that and have it for this week's legit shit. All right. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I will see you next week. Bye.